How Marketers Predict the Future Using Statistics, Part 2. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. It's the Conversion Scientist Podcast. I'm Brian Massey, the Conversion Scientist. This article appeared on Marketing Land on August 21st, 2014. Online marketers should be reading Marketing Land at www.marketingland.com. Yay, statistics. I said it last month, I'll say it again. Last month, we had some fun exploring two questions that every digital marketer should be asking about everything they do. Question one, are the results I'm seeing from my online marketing telling me what really happened? And question two, are these results good enough to predict what will happen in the future? When we know how to answer these two questions, we become the oracle of Delphi within our businesses, interpreting the past and predicting the future for our online endeavors. Now, to illustrate the application of this amazing power, we drew from three example scenarios. If you were listening to the podcast last month, I'll read these over again. They're going to sound familiar. Scenario one, the failing email list. Prim just completed sending the monthly email to her company prospect list of 3,000 people. Last month, she got 31 inquiries from the email. This month, however, she only got 20. Sales is complaining about the low number of leads, and she's feeling the heat. What happened? Has Prim's email list finally been tapped out? And what will she tell her boss? Scenario 2, the supercharged landing page. Duke's landing page gets 20,000 visits each month like clockwork. From his traffic flow, it's been delivering 350 leads for his business each month. One day, Duke stumbled across this column and decided he could open the sales spigot even wider by trying some different things on his site. He made some tweaks to his landing page and relaunched it. Shazam! He got 200 leads in the first 15 days of the month. At this rate, he'll get 400 leads this month, one of the biggest months he's ever had. Duke has found a winner for sure. Or has he? Scenario 3, the 95% confidence split test. Trey completed a split test and one of his treatments has reached a magical level of confidence of 95%. This test reports a 23.49% lift in conversions. That's huge. The test software is reporting a confidence of 96.2%, well over the 95% threshold he set for his tests. Trey tells his boss, who tells his boss, who brags about it to his wife. Trey boldly made the changes permanent on the site and then crickets. No big change in his orders or revenue from the previous period. What happened? Why will Trey's boss's boss have to tell his wife he's not a winner? Last time, we determined if the data provided in these three scenarios were accurate reflections of what actually happened. Now, we'll look at how to make decisions based on the confidence we calculated. So if you didn't listen to last month's column, go ahead and do that now here on the Conversion Scientist podcast. So the burning question is, what do I do next? As a digital oracle, the Greek mythology kind of oracle, not the Larry Ellison kind of oracle, then those in our business come to us with pleading looks in their eyes, asking what the future might hold for them. Some of these people are our bosses and look more displeased than pleading. What do we tell them? Well, let's look at our scenarios. 
The burning question posed to Prim with her email campaigns would be, OMG, is our email list drying out? Will we get fewer inquiries if we continue to send these emails? Last month, Prim's email garnered 31 conversions for a conversion rate of 1%. This month, it was 20 for a conversion rate of only 0.7. Because Prim has a short, fat bell curve of possible conversion rates, a 0.7% conversion rate should not really be a surprise. Prim's question is this. Is 0.7% my new conversion rate? Is this what I will see if I send the email again? And statistically, the answer is no. Prim's drop in conversion rate isn't statistically significant. Because the two bell curves overlap a lot, there's little confidence that she'll see another email that delivers 20 inquiries, as the most recent one did. Her response to her boss should be, yes, it's less than last month, but within the expected range of results, we should keep sending to this list. There are some caveats. The content of the emails changes from send to send, as does the subject line. These variables make it harder for Prim to predict the future. What may be more interesting is to combine the results with multiple emails over time. This provides a larger sample of conversions to work with, and the changes in content get averaged out somewhat. Over two months, Prim has a conversion rate of 51 inquiries from her 3,000 email recipients, or about 0.2%. If we look at her bell curve for this, we find that we can expect a conversion rate of between 1.2% and 2.2% over the next two months, or between 36 and 66 inquiries. These are numbers that she can take to her boss as an opportunity if she continues to send these emails. Now, Prim Sample is different from Dukes and Trays in that she is mailing to her entire population. Duke and Trey are dealing with a sample of the entire population that may come to their pages. If she limited her analysis only to those recipients who opened the email, she would be measuring a sample of her population. However, open rates are not reliable, really, in my opinion. So should Duke run out and buy an expensive car? Things seem to be looking up for Duke. His conversion rate for the first half of this month has moved from 1.75% to 2%, an upswing of 14.3%. That's good eating. If this keeps up, he'll have one of his biggest months. So, will this keep up? The answer is no. Entering his last month's results, 350 sales on 20,000 visits, against this month's results to date, 200 sales on 10,000 visits, tell us that this is not a statistically significant change. Duke's new bell curve is fatter and shorter, because the sample size of 10,000 is much smaller than a full month at 20,000. So as a result, both curves break below this tried-and-true conversion rate of 1.75% that he usually gets. There's still time for his results to turn enough this month to give him one of his worst months. So don't buy any new cars yet, Duke. Finally, has Trey found a new control? While Prim and Duke are not running true A-B split tests, Trey is. Prim and Duke are analyzing month-over-month -month data, meaning that they're not controlling for time. Things this month may be different than last month. A competitor may launch a new product. The stock market may be down. Business people may be taking vacation. Trey is running a true split test, which compares a control to one or more treatments for the same period of time. This increases our confidence that time-based changes aren't influencing our results. 
Trey is certainly using a split testing tool such as Optimizely, Visual Website Optimizer, Convert.com, or Adobe Test and Target to manage his test. If you visit the site, I'll provide you some links to those tools. How is he doing? The tool told him that he found a new control. It reports a 96.2% confidence that one of his treatments will deliver a conversion rate increase of 23.5%. So why didn't he see a lift in sales when he launched the new treatment? The A-B testing calculator that we used reports a number of values that we should probably explain here. The conversion rates and the relative change in conversion rate are self-explanatory. But what is the effect size? When we're dealing with bell curves, everything is divvied up by standard deviations. When comparing the control to treatments, the control is the most important, so the effect size is based on the standard deviation of the control's curve. The higher the standard deviation, the more deviant the data is, and by deviant, we mean more likely to lie to us. In this case, the standard deviation is about 0.73 percentage points. So you multiply this by the effect size of 2.6, and you get 1.9%. And that is the difference between the conversion rate of the control, 8.09%, and the treatment that won, 9.99%. In short, effect size is a standardized way of determining how big of a change we're talking about. If Trey had a larger sample, his standard deviation would be smaller, and the effect size would be larger. Even with the same conversion rates of the two items, the control and the treatment. Higher effect size means more confidence in the data to predict the future. Let's imagine that Trey's split testing software went haywire, and only one-tenth of the visitors saw the control, 137 instead of 1,372. Let's also assume that the conversion rate stayed the same, delivering 11 leads. This small sample size, 137 and 11 leads, would result in a deviant bell curve that had a much higher standard deviation, the short, fat kind. Now, the two conversion rates haven't changed, but the effect size is now only 0.8, not nearly as good as the 2.6 we saw with the original data. An effect size of 2.6 is not huge. Even though the statistics say that he's found a new winner, he needs a larger sample size, with the number of conversions approaching 200 or 300 per treatment. This test is telling him he needs to set his confidence level higher than 95%. Statistically, 97% is a much higher confidence level than 95%, even though it doesn't look that way to us. When you need to dazzle them with statistics, sometimes the boss will insist that your conclusions just don't make intuitive sense. So it's time to disarm him with statistics. The AB split test calculator gives us some numbers to work with. Let's make friends with them. The Z-score takes more into account than the effect size does. Compare the Z-score in figure 6 to that in figure 8. For Trey's winning treatment, the Z-score is 1.78. The small sample size imagined in figure 7, however, has a z-score of just 0.8. The bigger the z-score, the more confidence we have in the results. Statisticians seem to like to look at the same number presented in many confusing ways. The p-value seen in figure 5 is calculated from the z-score. 
It is the probability that our test results will not predict the future. I call this the fail value, spelled P-H-A-I-L, or p-value, because this is the chance that I will fail with my next test. Trey's wonderful treatment has a z-score of 1.781335, which can be magically recalculated to a p-value of 0.037. So what does this mean? What this means is that there is only a 3.7% chance that his new treatment will fail if tried again. Now those are not bad odds. In our small sample size scenario though, the z-score of 0.8025 can be recalculated into a p-value or a fail value of 0.228. This means that there's a 22.8% chance that the treatment will fail if I try it again. That is too high to rely on. Once you've talked about standard errors, standard deviations, effect sizes, z-scores, and p-values, your boss's eyes should have started to glaze over. Take this as acceptance of your decision. I'll leave you to research the power, alpha, and beta values that you'll see uh, in the um, AB split test calculator as well. The bottom line of all of this is that decisions change with a little statistical significance. The disastrous email that Prim sent this month turns out to be in line with expectations when we look at it statistically, and there is little evidence that the future emails will perform poorly. Duke needs to wait a couple of more weeks before he starts spending his expected gains from the new landing page he designed. And Trey can stand confident in front of his boss, knowing that he made the right decision to launch his treatment. But now he knows that he needs to let his tests run longer. How many marketing programs are abandoned when they might have produced great results? How many new controls are put in place before they've proven their statistical worth? Online marketers and business owners can't be making mistakes like these in the coming months. Digital data is too easy to gather and the space is too competitive. Tell us how you're using statistics to make decisions in the comments on the blog post. Thank you for listening. This has been the Conversion Scientist Podcast. I'm Brian Massey, the Conversion Scientist. Hey, if you want us to be using statistics to help you find more leads, more sales, more subscribers, give us a call. Our Conversion Catalyst program will do just that in 120 days. You can find us on the web at www.conversionsciences.com. We'll see you next time.